This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. With all my heart, I believe that Jesus wants his church to be a fellowship, a family, where people can come in and honestly say, I'm beat, I'm I'm sunk, I'm discouraged, I'm, I'm depressed. The church needs to provide shelter and care for the wounded and the weary. Let me get painfully specific. What do you do when the bottom falls out of life? Where do you turn? Who do you talk to? When you face an issue that's embarrassing or maybe even scandalous, where do you turn when you're Your mate is talking about separation or divorce. Who do you talk to when your daughter has run away with her boyfriend because she thinks she's pregnant? You've lost your job and it's your fault. Where do you turn where your best friend has revealed your darkest secret to a group of people? Who do you talk to when you flunk the final exam or mess up on the interview? I mean, we all need shelter. We all need a refuge. What do you need when someone punctures your your balloon and threatens to bring you down, when you feel like your life is engulfed in pain and confusion? Well, you need a shelter. You need someone to talk to. You need someone who understands you. You need a refuge. Maybe you turn to a friend. Maybe you talk to your small group, or maybe you just (laughs) stick your head in the sand and hope everything, all the trouble goes away. (laughs) Cornered by the enemy, bruised by adversity, and longing for peace, David wrote these words in his journal of woes. Psalm 31, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. So here David cries out his need for a safe haven. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Be a strong fortress. And there are many reasons why people like us need a refuge from time to time. First of all, we need a refuge because we are in distress. And sorrow accompanies us. Just last week, I read a story about a man who who loves to hunt. And he was talking about a recent experience uh, hunting deer. Rising early one morning, he said, I heard the the number of dogs barking as they were chasing a deer. Looking at a large open field in front of me, he said, I saw a young fawn making its way across the field and giving signs that its race was almost over. It leaped over the rails of the fence near where I stood, he said, and then crouched on the ground about 10 feet in front of me. A moment later, two of the hounds came bounding over the fence and the fawn ran in my direction, he said, and pushed its head between my legs. So I picked up the little creature and I I swung around left and then swung around right to keep it away from the dogs. And just then I felt that all the dogs in the world would not and could not capture that young fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. 
In our weakness, friends, we appeal to the strength of the Almighty God, as did the psalmist, and we find refuge there. Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. So, yes, we, we desperately need a refuge because we are in distress often. And sorrow accompanies us often. <laughs> Eyes get red from weeping. The heavy weights of sorrow press down. Depression, that serpent of despair, slithers silently through the soul's back door. And you can almost hear the hiss of the serpent in that. Many of us know what it means to be distressed and full of sorrow, especially during this crazy pandemic. Hasn't it been something? We've cried out for mercy over and over again, and we have found God to be faithful beyond measure. After Jesus was arrested, someone looked at Peter and said, I think he's a follower of Jesus too. He's one of those Galileans. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not, that's not me. I'm not part of that crowd. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Jesus looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Before the rooster crows three times today, you will disown me. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. You can be sure that Peter was distressed, and sorrow accompanied him. I mean, what a devastating experience that would have been. He disavowed the Lord. He denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. He needed a safe haven, a place to, to repent and repair, and the Lord graciously, kindly provided that for him. We also need a refuge because we are sinful and guilt accuses us. In a recent article, I read a quote Religion may be in retreat, but guilt seems as powerfully present as ever. Oh, isn't that the truth? Religion may be in retreat, but guilt seems as powerfully present as before. Not long ago, a man tried to clear his guilty conscience by, by paying a 47-year-old parking ticket. Apparently, the police department received a letter with a $5 bill and a note inside the parking ticket was issued in 1974 for $2, and this guy put in a $5 bill thinking that would cover it, I guess. A police spokesman told the radio station that uh, the note said, Dear Police Department, I've been carrying this ticket around for more than 45 years, always intending to pay it. So forgive me if I don't give you my current contact information. <laughs> With respect, Dave. Oh, indeed, guilt seems as powerfully present as ever in our lives, doesn't it? David says in Psalm 31.10, For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones 
waste away. You can almost feel the shame and remorse and the guilt in those verses. We need a refuge because on occasion we are sinful and guilt accuses us. We desperately need help. We need a place to hide. I think of David's adultery with Bathsheba. He spied this beautiful woman bathing one day and he just had to have her. He committed adultery with this beautiful woman and even had her husband murdered. David went on to say, I know my transgressions. When he finally came to his senses. And my sin is always before me. He said, against you, you only, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So David knew that he'd sinned. He knew it. Guilt was pressing down upon him until his bones wasted away and he felt like his strength was being sapped as in the heat of summer. Psalm 51 tells a bit of the story. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. He's crying out for mercy. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Yes, indeed. He needed to repent of his sin. Absolutely. No question. He needed to make restitution somehow for what he'd done. But he also needed a refuge. He was guilty. He needed a shelter from his guilt. He needed a way to deal with his guilt. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you need to learn how to deal with your guilt. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ receives forgiveness through his name. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 that whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So you can find forgiveness and healing through Jesus Christ today and then hide under the shadow of his wings for the rest of your life. How about that? How about that? Will you put your trust and your faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus today? Say, I've already done that. I'm already a, a, a follower of Jesus. I'm already a Christian. Then, then go deeper, go higher, go further with the Lord. We need a refuge because we are in distress and sorrow accompanies us. We need a refuge because we're sinful and guilt accuses us. And last but not least, we need a refuge because we're surrounded by adversaries and misunderstanding assaults us. We're surrounded by adversaries and misunderstanding assaults us. Come with me to verse 11 of Psalm 31. Because of all my adversaries, David said, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who's dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Indeed, we are surrounded by all kinds of adversaries, all kinds of misunderstanding assault us from time to time. 
tortured by the whisperings of others. We feel like a wounded, bleeding mouse in the claws of a hungry cat. The thought of what people is, are saying about us is almost unbearable. Gossip gives the final shove as we strive for balance on the edge of despair. Discouraged people don't need more critics. They don't need more criticism. They, they hurt enough already. They need mercy. They don't need guilt or piled on distress. They need encouragement. They need a refuge. They need a place to hide and a place to heal. A willing, caring, available someone. They need a confidant and a comrade at arms. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's the role you can play in, in the life of your friend or your family member. Anthony Brown was driving across a bridge one day when he spotted a stranger in distress, and he knew it. He could, he could read the signals. Anthony said, my first thought was, I need to help this guy because that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help people. That's why God has put us on the planet. Having lost his own brother to suicide, Brown knew he couldn't ignore the suicidal stranger. And seeing that others were driving by without stopping, he, he, he went away and turned around and pulled his car over and then very gently approached the man. The distraught man initially made it clear that there was nothing that Anthony could do to help him. He felt surrounded by enemies. He felt no one understood him. And yet when Anthony opened up and began to share his own personal experience with suicide, the man listened. Brown said, I let him know that I was not there to judge him and that I had cared for him. I told him about my brother who committed suicide, and he was shocked that anybody, any stranger, would stop and care enough about him and his well-being. So as the pair stood there and talked, uh, empathy blossomed, friendship began to develop, and the troubled man slowly and cautiously began to step away from the edge of the bridge. You see, people in trouble need a refuge. And there's only so much you and I can do. But whatever we can do, we should do to help those in need, to help those who need a refuge. But, but ultimately, we need, to, we need to point them to the only one who is qualified to be a refuge forever, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. David's refuge never failed him, not one single time. And he never regretted dropping his heavy load and running for cover, crying out to his refuge, help, I need help. Maybe that's where you are today. You will never regret running for refuge. You will never regret running to Jesus for help and mercy in a time of need. Speaking of Jesus, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus understands us. He knows us. He sees us, he, he gets us, and still he's merciful and gracious and, and helpful in our time of need. You may be disappointed by your friends, 
Your family may fail you from time to time, but you can always come before the throne of grace and know that Jesus never fails. Jesus will never fail you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will care about you and invite you to cast your your cares, your worries, your burdens upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer like he did. You know, sometimes you make very difficult, life-changing decisions that nobody seems to understand, nobody but God. Because, you, because people don't understand you, they may, they may uh, mistreat you or they may do things to hurt you, and you're left searching for shelter. Well, friends, Jesus is a wonderful Savior, and He will carry you through. Turn your eyes upon Him. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Become the clay in the hands of the potter. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you can turn to Him today in faith, and He'll become your refuge in life and also in death. Shelters are hard to come by these days, but you can be sure of one thing. No matter what happens, Jesus will always, always, always have a place for you. His his mansions are huge. He's making room for each and every one of us who by faith trust in him. Jesus will always come to the rescue. He'll always be your rock of refuge. No matter what happens today or tomorrow, next week or next month, Jesus will always be the refuge you need. Turn your eyes upon him. Look full in his wonderful face and trust him. Would you pray with me now, please? Father, nothing compares with the peace and confidence that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. We, we now live in your permanent favor and unwavering delight. You, you've set your affection on us, Lord. You've adopted us as your children. You've filled us with your spirit. The Lord Jesus is our mighty rock and loving refuge, and we are clay in the hands of the potter. Our honor and our hope depend on you, Father, not on what other people think or say about us, not based on our productivity or usefulness, not based on our messy stories becoming less messy. And this is true because the gospel is true. Because the gospel is good news and true news. Even when what we believe contradicts what we feel, it's still true. And so, Father, we cry out to you again and again today and and ask you to be our refuge and our rest and our hope. We want our lives to be transformed by your grace and our hearts to be inflamed by your love. We want all of these things, Father. And we want them all for your glory and for your honor. So we pray all of this in the merciful and trustworthy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.